Amen. As you remain standing, the reading of God's word, let me say before we share God's word, a special congratulations to the Benedict College family, especially to Dr. David Swinton, who on last night we were there with him and some of our church members joined us as he celebrated 23 years of being the president. He's retiring this year. And by the way, even if you did not go to from Benedict, have no affiliations with it, we still honor greatness. Amen. So join me as we give a hand of praise for Dr. David Swinton and Benedict. Amen. There's a word from the Lord. This, the final message of this series. Series is entitled to resurrection and beyond. The text this morning is found in the gospel that has been recorded by St. John, chapter 20, verses 26 through 29, reading from the New International Version. Here is the what God has to say to us through his holy, powerful word. Verse 26, St. John chapter 20. And it reads, A week later his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the door, though, I'm sorry, though the doors were locked, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Then he said these words to Thomas, Stop doubting and believe. <laughs> Thomas then said to him, My Lord, and my God. Verse 29. Then Jesus told him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. <laughs> we ask God's blessings on the reading and the hearing of his word. Amen. In the last clause of verse 26, it says, Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Uh, although the doors were locked and closed, <laughs> although Thomas's heart was locked, and close. Somebody showed up. Amen. Someone showed up. Hey. Catch the hands of someone that is standing next to you. Here's the subject for this final message of this series. Hold those hands and squeeze those hands. Look at somebody and say the closed door experience. Now before you sit down, look at somebody and say he'll find you wherever you are. Ah, I like that. Amen. You may be seated. The closed door experience. I just want to make sure I'm in the right church. 
Can anybody witness and say he'll find you? No matter where you are, what you've been through. So glad I serve a God like that. Listen, at the beginning of this month, we began this series of messages. A series that's called uh, To the Resurrection and Beyond. In which we set out to trace the footsteps of Jesus during the last uh, days, the last period of, of written time of his life on earth. We began with the first message of the series that was simply called the mountaintop experience, which the Lord led Jesus to the mountaintop, and Jesus carried three of his disciples. And there the text says he transfigured into something he had not been. God was preparing him for what was to come. And we said to you in that first message, every mountaintop experience you have is in preparation for what you've got to face in the valleys. You can't live on the mountain. You go there to get strength to deal with what you've got to deal with. In the valley. I wish I had a witness. Somebody said amen. That second message, the second message of the series was an interesting one. We talked about how fake people can often serenade you with fake praises. <laughs> and if you're not careful, you'll think they're on your side. Only to discover five days later they are holler, crucify him, because we don't know him. That second message was called the Hosanna experience, which we warn you, be careful of folk who sing your praises one day, but will turn their backs on you in less than a week later. Somebody got a testimony, and you don't want to holler right now because you don't want folk to know your business but just wiggle your toes and say, amen, preacher, amen. Somebody's been wounded in the house of a friend before, amen. And then the, the third message was on Good Friday. Good Friday's message was entitled the Calvary Experience. Is when you experience the worst day of your life. When our Lord and Savior hung between two thieves. When they crucified him and the executioners gambled at the foot of the cross for his blood-stained clothes. But yet he had enough unction to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. The, the cavalry experience. Then on last Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, uh, was called the Resurrection Experience, which we told you with great joy that everything that gets knocked down doesn't have to stay down. So glad you can get up again. Any, any witnesses? Glad that you didn't stay down, but that God gave you the power to get up again. And now, this fifth and final message, we finally get to the beyond part series is called to resurrection and now beyond we are there 
We are beyond the resurrection, but God's not through ministering. The Lord is not through blessing yet. Listen, perhaps we all have had some moments in our own lives in which our faith was not as strong as it should have been. Can I preach to some real folk? I know you come to church. I, I know you've given your heart to the Lord. And you've been walking with the Lord, perhaps some of you, a long time. But there have been moments in all of our lives, I don't care who you are, what your title is, how deep you are, you've had some moments in your life in which your faith wavered. And what, what, and I said to the church this morning, what, what gets to me are people who waver the most and act like they've never done anything. Uh, that, that gets to me. I, 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 I don't mind you being holy and righteous because we all strive for that. But it seems like the most difficult ones to deal with is the ones that want everybody to know how holy and righteous they are. And they never done anything. Ready to execute anybody who faith wavers. And their faith wavers more than anybody else. Somebody shout, preach, pastor. See, there are times in, in all of our lives in which we find ourselves perhaps doubting the very things that once were the cornerstones of our relationship with the Lord. We had a great relationship with the Lord because we believed he was a way maker. We believed he was a healer. We believed that God could turn things around. But because he didn't do it when we wanted him to do it. I'm preaching now. Because it didn't happen in the time we desired it to happen. Perhaps it didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen. You began to waver. You began to doubt whether or not God is the God you thought he was. Let me confess and put your mind at ease. Standing here as your pastor, I've been right there. Truth of the matter is, I wasn't there just before I was saved. I was there after I had been saved. After I'm a pastor. And if the truth be told, will it be? I've been there in the last week or two. I just want to keep it real, okay? In which I say, God, where were you? How did you allow this to happen? I've trust you. I've leaned on you. And yet going through this most difficult time, and the enemy says, yeah, you thought you could depend on God, and he has let you down. Not just me. Demons speak to all of us. In which the demons challenge the essence of our relationship with God. And doubt slips in. I want to take my time and preach this this morning. God said to me, it is important for us to understand that doubt is a part of the human experience. See, when the enemy makes you feel like you are less than who you are, because you have doubted every now and then. Every human being born of a woman have had some doubt in their mind. Everybody, whether you are saved or not, 
has some doubt in your mind. Now, just because we have experienced this level of doubt does not mean we have no faith. Am I right about it? Doesn't mean that God will give up on us. Uh, in fact, it has been said, and I said to the congregation at 8 this morning, when I first read this statement, I had uh, to think again before I decided that I would embrace it as a truth for my life. It has been said uh, that doubt is oftentimes a part of the faith process. Now you say, wait a minute, Pastor. The Bible tells us to overcome doubt and that. Why do you say it's a part of the faith? Just like resistance is a part of the strength process. Am I right about it? Just like weight on you that you push off, develop your muscles. And the more resistance, the stronger your muscles. Some of you are walking around with biceps because you push some weight. And some of you are walking around with flab because you refuse to push stuff off of you. Can I preach? Y'all help me and just say push it off. Push it in. And so God spoke to me. God says, uh, this is true that, that doubt can be a part of the faith process because as we overcome our doubt, our faith grows stronger. Ooh, I wish I had a witness of somebody who's been through something and you overcame times in your life in which you didn't think you can come out of that. And because you came out of it, you came out of it strong. The old folk put it like this, Pastor Bradley, tell me how did you feel? When you came out the wilderness. Oh, y'all don't know anything about that. Felt like shouting. Felt like running. Felt like praising God. If you research the scriptures, you will find throughout pages of scriptures, there have been men and women who have encountered disappointments and doubt and time in which they question uh, the, the very nature and the existence of God. Just in lieu of time to substantiate the, the fact that this works for your good, God said to me, share with him three quick examples. First one comes to mind is Genesis chapter 18 when the angel shows up to uh, Abraham and Sarah is listening. Abraham uh, uh, is old and uh, almost what, 100 years old and Sarah is almost 90 and the angel says something that makes no sense. It says, Abraham, your wife is about to give birth to a child. And the Bible says that Sarah overhears this, and Sarah laughs. Laughs. Genesis 18, I think it is verse number 4. The angel says to Abraham, why does Sarah laugh? Then he asks this rhetorical question, is there anything too hard? for God. God had to show Abraham and Sarah, you may doubt me, but when I get finished with this, your faith will be strengthened because I'll show you that only I can have a 90-year-old woman have a child. You at 100 years old, Abraham, can be a father. Look at somebody and say, all things are possible 
Next example that comes to mind is found in the book of Jeremiah, uh, around about the 20th chapter of the book of Jeremiah, in which Jeremiah the prophet on a mission from God loses his faith for a moment. Uh, Folk can get on your nerve. And and folk will make you lose the faith you got for a moment. Now, don't y'all sit there like folk had not challenged your faith. I'm telling you, I'm your pastor and dealing with some of y'all sometimes. I got to say, help me, Holy Ghost. Help me, Holy Ghost. You preach to folk for 10 and 12 years, and because somebody on the right side of the church didn't speak to them, they don't show up for a month. Kurt, it'll make you lose your little faith. And so Jeremiah was discouraged. Chapter 20, Jeremiah writes, my soul is in derision. I I am depressed. I am going through something because, God, I don't know why you allow this to happen to me. Even the little children in the village, they do not respect me. I decided that I'll hang up my prophetic mantle. I've decided that I will never open my mouth and say any good thing about the Lord again. But when I tried to sit down, your word was like a burning fire. Shut up in my bone. All I need is just a few folk that, that the Holy Ghost wouldn't let you quit. The anointing wouldn't let you quit. Yeah. What you went through would not let you quit. Can I preach this? And then the next Old Testament biblical example that comes to mind uh, is found in the prophet, the prophetic writings of Habakkuk. That short book in the book of Habakkuk, in chapter 1 of the book of Habakkuk, the Bible says that Habakkuk questioned uh, who God was. And he said, Lord, I don't understand this. I'm doubting whether or not uh, you know what you're doing because the unrighteous seems to be living better than the righteous. Help me understand this, Lord, that people that don't even acknowledge you seem to be better off than those of us who do everything we can for you. Why do we get sick? Why, why do we go through so much? Why are we losing our jobs? Why, why are we finding ourselves dealing with illnesses? And we do all we can. Have you forgotten about us? Woo! Then God flips the script and allows Habakkuk, can I preach this? I'll get to Thomas in a moment. God allows Habakkuk, Deaconoba, to get to the second chapter and the second verse and say, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain that they may run that read it. And this is what I like, verse number three, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it shall speak and not lie. And though it tarry. Y'all better watch out. I know I'm missing some praying mothers on my left hand side. But somebody's praying for me this morning, right? Look at somebody and say, though it tarry, wait on it. 
tell them, wait on it. Wait on it. Now look at somebody in the eyes say, because it will surely come. Say, the Lord will work it out. I'm a living witness that God's got the final say so. That the end shall speak. That your latter shall be greater than your former. That where God has taken you to is greater than what you're going to. And I know you've had some hardships and some heartaches. But is there anybody know that I'll trust in the Lord? Till I die. Uh, it's all a part of the faith process. Listen, in fact, let me share this very powerful quote. It was given by one of the early church fathers by the name of St. Augustine. St. Augustine says these words in a quote. He says, doubt is not always the opposite of faith. Sometimes it is the element of our faith. Sometimes God uses your doubt to show you just how strong he is and strengthen because when you come through this as broke as you are and God makes a way for you, when you don't lose your house, when they do not repossess your car, when you are able to pay all your bills, when you're able to send your children to school and God says, look what I've done. And when the devil said no, God showed up and said yes. Somebody will learn how to give God a praise and say, Lord, I thank you because I know it hasn't been easy and went through something. Satan thought he had you. And Satan played tricks with your mind and thought I'll stop you and I'll attack your mental health and your physical health. But look at you now. After all the things you've been through, you are up in here on Sunday morning giving God some praise. You should be institutionalized. But God! Y'all better watch out, watch out, watch out. Watch out. Before you sit down, touch somebody, say, neighbor, I would turn every element of doubt into an aspect of faith. And the next time you see me, my faith would be even stronger because God had brought me out one more week. God has brought me through one more week. See, you were too busy trying to count, count the years and the weeks. But in fact, let me really get on the devil's nerve. Our brother Dennis Larimore and said, God has brought me out one more day. I don't know what will happen tomorrow. But tell every demon in my life, I'm here today. I'm all right today. I have a praise. Woo! Y'all better watch it because church is about to break out in here. Somebody better watch it. 
You better watch it. Is there anybody in the house that the enemy prematurely celebrated your demise? Is there anybody in the house that the enemy thought it was over? And look at you. You are standing here today, hands raised in the air. Tell your neighbor, raise your hands as you come out of it and say, I made it, I made it, I made it. I preach may I preach I feel like preaching the truth is y'all sit down let me deal with Thomas the truth is we all have had our doubting Thomas moments Dr. Sure, we all have been where our backs were against the wall. Mm, locked down behind closed doors, about to give up on God. In fact, angry whew, that things didn't work out the way we had hoped they would work out. Am I speaking the truth? We all have been let down by what did not happen in our life or what we had to go through and we find ourselves agonizing over oh, Lord how did this occur such was the case for Thomas in order to understand Thomas at this moment let me remind you of how Thomas was as a disciple. In fact, it was Thomas when Jesus was headed into Jerusalem and the other disciples said, don't go because if you go, they're going to kill you. It was Thomas that said, I'm going and I'm ready to die with you. So you've got to understand that Thomas had a passionate relationship with the Lord. Thomas was connected by faith with God and he thought that Jesus would be a conquering savior, not a crucified savior. And so Thomas was waiting on Jesus to ride into Jerusalem and overthrow the evil government of the Roman Empire, but it did not happen. I'm here to preach to you when things don't go the way it ought to go. We have a tendency to close the door on Jesus and get a little perturbed with him and say, Lord, you did do what I wanted you to do. So I'm locking the door and 
Oftentimes we do it to protect our hearts from being hurt again. You've known folk that had bad relationships that never enter into any other relationships because they want to protect their hearts from being wounded again. But I stopped by to tell you that even if you close the door on the Lord, the Lord has a way of finding you where you are and delivering you despite your own reservations. I wish I had just a handful of folk that God ever stepped behind your closed door and gave you a private word and a private deliverance and brought you out of... Am I right about it? Mm, so here it is. Thomas, Thomas, hurt, wounded, because his Savior was crucified. Didn't want anything to do with the movement anymore. Decided that I can't risk having my heart hurt again. So he locked the door, closed the door, and some other disciples were there, and they said, Thomas, we saw the risen Savior. We know that he's alive. Oh, brother Thomas said, I just cannot bring myself to believe that this is possible. So Thomas said in verse 25, unless I see with my own eyes the nail print in his hand, put my finger where the nails were in his side, I will never believe it. Now look at God. Because Jesus could have given up on Thomas. Jesus did not owe Thomas anything. Jesus could have gone on and said, that's just one loss, but million more will accept. But when God has a relationship with you, he won't leave you hanging. He, he won't leave you in a, in a quandrum. God won't leave you out there without coming to try to rescue you. I wish I had a witness of somebody who know that God came and found you where you were even when you were not looking to be found. I'm preaching to somebody. Grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, this is my story. Didn't know how I would make it. Ready to give up on God. Threw the tower in. Said if God didn't do it then, God won't ever do it. So I don't ever want to come to church again. I don't want to hear another sermon. Why did God let me go through what I went through? But the Lord said it ain't over yet. And although you closed the door on God, God didn't close the door on you. One week later, doors lock, doors close, but somebody shows up behind closed doors. The master 
who does not need a key came walking through the closed doors and stood in the midst and got up in Thomas's face and said, Thomas, here I am. Take your hand and feel my wounds. Put your hand in my side. I didn't have to come look for you, but I love you enough not to let you go to hell believing that I'm not a way maker. Is there anybody so glad that he found you although you locked him out? He did not lock you out. He found you. He rescued you. He set you up. He brought you out. And now look at you. Ah, you ought to give God a praise. Take about 30 seconds. Somebody said, neighbor, at my worst hour, didn't know how I would make it. Devil thought he had me. I was ready to give up. But somebody walked through a closed door and said, here I am. Here I am. Y'all excuse me. Somebody ought to help me praise him. Somebody ought to help me. Somebody ought to give God a praise. Somebody ought to lift your hands and say, I almost didn't make it, but the Lord showed up right on time. Let the church say yeah, say yeah. Leave your seat. Give somebody a high five and say, neighbor, he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Excuse me, but I believe he's a healer. Excuse me, but I still believe he's a way maker. I believe he's a heart fixer and a mind. Y'all excuse me, but somebody believe that the devil can't have your family. Never can't have your child. Y'all excuse us, but we're about to put a praise on this. Tell your neighbor, give me some room. 
because he found me behind closed doors. sometimes say I found the Lord no you didn't find the Lord the Lord found you anybody so glad that the Lord found you touch somebody say neighbor he found me he rescued me he delivered me he set me free he brought me out Come on! Woo! 
Those hands all over this place. Here's what I'm, I'm changing the altar song. And I ask Brother Cedric and the choir if they can sing Worth Fighting For. How many of you know you were worth fighting for? Behind closed doors. The closed door experience is this. Listen, when you were ready to give up on God, he was not ready to give up on you. And because you were worth fighting for, everything in your life that the enemy tells you you can't have is worth fighting for. Let me say that again. And everybody in the house ought to clap your hands when I say this. Everything in your life that God said is yours is worth fighting for. Can y'all sing that? Thank you. Thank you so much, Quiet. Thank you, Cedric. Woo. Come on, make your way down. I love this song. You met deep in my despair. You met me, Lord. Show me. <laughs> you would never leave me there. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. You claim because I was <laughs> made for so much more. <laughs> I am your child. And I'm worth. And I'm worth fighting for. Saint so Cedric, thank you, brother. With the weight of my mistakes, <laughs> you carried me. You carried me, Lord. And I, refused to I, let me sing. You refused to let me sing. the pressure, <laughs> you meant for me to soar. I am your child, and I'm worth fighting for. Eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard. All you have planned for me. Ooh, thank you, Lord. And nothing can separate me from your love when there's so much more <laughs> still worth fighting. I need a hundred more people to leave your seat and stand in the aisleways all over this place. Come on. I want the cameras to show the audience. All these people by the power who said it's worth mind. fighting for. Yeah. You're straining out my yeah, path. Yeah, yeah. And opening every door, I am your child. Ooh. And I'm worth fighting for. Eyes. Yes. That's oh. right. Yeah. And no, nothing can separate me from when there's so much more still worth fighting. For, and that's why I'm pressing, 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 Lord. Because the calling, calling. is worth fighting for. I gotta keep my mind Woo. stayed Stay. on your Jesus. Ah, 
thank you, Lord. Because the peace that it brings is worth fighting for. And I'll be, I'll faithful, be faithful to my wife and children. Because my family is worth fighting for. Know this world is not my home. Because your kingdom here. That's right, clap those hands, everybody. There is so much more. Listen, listen. Ooh. I told the Lord several weeks ago, Lord, if Satan wants to see somebody who's willing to fight, he's about to see it now. Because when the enemy challenges your anointing, comes after your family, come after your peace of mind. You've got to tell the enemy, God has done too much for me. He rescued me behind closed doors. And when the devil thought he had me, God showed up, Carlos. So I, I told every demon in the atmosphere, you haven't seen anything yet. If you want to fight, you are about to get a fight because my family is worth fighting for. My anointing is worth fighting for. My relationship with the Lord. around somebody's shoulders and I need you to encourage somebody because here's what I have discovered when people come into this worship center over 2,000 plus 2,500 11 o'clock more at 8 o'clock every last one of us come in with our own issues and we all come in and the enemy is trying to tell us to give up the enemy is trying to tell us to lock and close the door because it's not worth it. And the Lord showed up behind closed doors, behind locked doors to say, I still love you. You may have made a mistake. Thomas, you may have doubted me, but I didn't doubt you, Thomas. I've still got to work for you to do. Now listen to this. CNN just did a documentary two weeks ago on Thomas, Brother Freddie. And church history says this, Sister Janie Fairs, church history says Thomas left Jerusalem, traveled to India, and millions of people were saved 
and accept Jesus Christ because Thomas went to India. Thomas went to India as a believer. Now what the enemy saw was Thomas's future and the enemy tried to cut it off before God could use him. But God says the devil is a liar. I'm going behind these closed doors and I'm gonna touch this young man because eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Look at somebody and say, you're worth fighting for. Tell him you're worth fighting for. Your relationship with the Lord is worth fighting for. If the enemy would have stopped Thomas, I encourage you to go back and watch that CNN special. Millions of people in India, perhaps at that time, would not have heard the gospel. But because the Lord went behind closed doors and said to Thomas, I'll never give up on you. God used him to do mighty works. I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what you've been through. Doesn't matter what you've said or done. You're worth fighting for. He'll show up. Tell somebody he'll show up even behind closed doors to give you a second chance. Won't he do it? Eyes closed. Listen, it begins with that relationship. Note this. After Thomas and Jesus had their behind closed door encounter, note the words that came out of Thomas's mouth. <laughs> Prior to this encounter, Thomas said, I don't even believe it. After this, Thomas said, my Lord, my God. Whew. He became Thomas's Lord. Brother Jeff, he became Thomas's God because Jesus showed up behind closed doors. He wants to become your Lord. He wants to become your God. And I'm here to tell you that he can do it in your life. And if you're not where you ought to be, don't be ashamed because all of us have been there. After this prayer, God is speaking to somebody in this audience right now. And God says, here I am. I've walked through the closed door. I've come face to face with you. Now it's up to you to accept him as your Lord and your God. Don't let anyone discourage you. Don't say I have a whole lot of time left because you may not. You don't have to be perfect. Just willing for the Lord to change your life. Amen, somebody? Close those eyes. And you want to not just join the church, if you want to recommit your life to the Lord, if you want a new beginnings for your life, meet me at this altar. Let him become your Lord, your God. Lord, we thank you. We, we bless you. We honor you. I'm so glad that you penetrated behind closed doors. Ooh. I'm so glad that when I tried to close you off, you didn't close me off. So glad that when I tried to give up on you, you never gave up on me. And I say thank you. Thank you 
for a second chance. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for finding us where we were. Thank you for not judging us based on what we had done or what we had said. Thank you for wiping the slate clean, giving us another chance. Woo. Thank you, Lord, for declaring that we are worth fighting for. I touch someone that's watching live right now. Touch someone that's listening by way of radio. Have your way, Lord. Move in a mighty way. This is our prayer. In your name we pray and give thanks. Those who know it is already so, said amen. Amen. Find somebody, say you are worth fighting for. Come on, tell them. Yes, you are. Come on, if you want to make that commitment, you want to join the church, you want to commit your life to the Lord, come stand. Thank you, young lady. Come on, somebody's coming right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Somebody else, come on. Come on, walk down the aisle right now. God's calling you. You've got to make the next step. You have to make the next step. You have to make the next step. Come on, God's calling you right now. God is calling you right now. Come on. It's going to be all right. Come on. It's going to be all right. This is your new life. This is God calling you into something brand new. Come on. Step out by faith right now. Step out by faith. God is calling you. Wave those hands in the air. I don't care what you've been through. God says come right now. Is, yeah. is there anybody else there? Amen. Ready to step out by faith and say here I am Lord. Thank you for not giving up on me. Anyone else? Clap your hands and give God a hand of Come on, everybody. One more time. Heaven heard. 